0: VegCast
1: This is Vance with the answer VegCast VegCast 42, in other words VegCast A full menu from first to last Yes, this is Vance back again with you for another edition of Vegetarian Podcastery. We have a great full menu, as always. On this episode, we have cookbook author and artist, Nava Atlas, uh, who wrote Vegetariana, one of uh, the big cookbooks back in the day, and went on to write others, and now Has a new one out, Vegan Express. She's now vegan and talks about how she made the transition and what uh, caused her to do that, as well as talking about some of her artistic endeavors. So that will be coming up shortly. We also have a musical selection about not eating meat. Yes, uh, call it crazy, but this being a vegetarian podcast, we thought that might be uh, a little appropriate for this episode. Uh, We also will have a science fact about the vegan diet and how it can be good for you in more ways than one. And we'll also just have uh, a little open up the mailbag for a moment and see how people are responding to the last VegCast. So uh, all that's coming up, and all you need to do is to sit back, relax, keep those earbuds in or those speakers cranked as the virtual tape unspools. And we proceed with this full menu of VegCast. Okay, before we get started here, I want to be sure that you are aware the VegCast is sponsored by Temptation Vegan Ice Cream, the world's greatest non-dairy ice cream made on dedicated vegan equipment by dedicated vegans. You can check them out at gotemptation.com. And as I said before, we get on with the main course of this full menu. I just wanted to uh, read an email I got uh, in the VegCast feedback on the Pacific Northwest, this is from Cammy, who wanted to be sure that I was aware that the uh, the hippie uh, concept of the Pacific Northwest was in fact a myth and that there is a great diversity of vegetarians out there. And I'm hoping that we did get that across in VegCast 41. You can go back and listen to that uh, if you want to make sure for yourself. I'll put a link in the show notes so you don't even have to scroll down the page. But also uh, she goes on to talk about the specifics of Uh, what makes the uh, Seattle area, where uh, she is, a uh, most diverse and exciting vegetarian place. And it says, I believe we have the most variety in restaurants with vegan options. In any given day, I can choose from a delicious vegan hot dog joint, Cyber Dogs, Great Vegan Pizza, Giuliano's and Pizza Pie, Mouthwatering Vegan Donuts, Mighty O's, Fancy Vegan Dining, Cafe Flora and Carmelitas, All-You-Can-Eat Buffet, Araya's, Amazing Vegan Sandwich Shop, Hillside Quickies, African Vegan Dining, Pan-Africa, amongst many others, including Thai, Chinese, Indian breakfast joints, bakeries, cafes galore. Just wanted to throw that in because uh, one of the things I'm trying to get at here is specifics, and if people were not aware uh, or had gone by and seen a sign, they might say, "Oh, now I know that place has uh, vegan donuts or something or vegan pizza. I can go in there." So if you happen to be out in the Seattle area, feel free to drop in. Tell them Cammie sent you or tell them VegCast sent you. Either way, but now we're going to move on to our interview with Nava Atlas. And I have to say, back when I went a vegetarian 23 years ago, this was my First Vegetarian Cookbook, I think I mentioned that in the interview, but uh, if you haven't seen it, it's a great combination of information as well as uh, a whimsical drawings and uh, entertainment and facts about food and about vegetarianism. Uh, that just really uh, created a whole package that made vegetarianism uh, seem like something fun and accessible. And that's just one of her many creative accomplishments. Let's hear that interview with Nava Atlas. All right, joining us by phone now on VegCast is Nava Atlas, the author of many vegetarian cookbooks as well as an artist and graphic designer. Uh, Nava, welcome to VegCast. Hi, Thanks for being with us. I wanted to point out that you are pretty well known, I'd say, among vegetarians for your uh, cookbook authorship, and we'll get into some of that. But uh, you're also uh, an accomplished uh, graphic artist, and it, it, would you just uh, give us some sense of uh, what you what you do in the field of uh, of visual artistry?
2: Yes. Well. Um I started out actually many years ago as a graphic designer and illustrator. I didn't have any training whatsoever as a cook. That's what I got my degree in many, many years ago. And my first book, Vegetariana, combined my love of literature, food, um, design, and drawing. And then my career just took off from there. My latest forms of uh, artistry in the art world are artist books primarily. That is books... That are created mainly as works of art, and they're usually done in very small editions. So I've sort of gone from uh, b- books that you know hopefully sell many, many thousands of copies to books that I might make just three or four of by
1: hand. Uh-huh. Certainly, uh huh. Certainly, Vegetariana uh, was uh, a big one for a lot of us. I, I mentioned uh, before we uh, started taping that was my the first uh, vegetarian cookbook that I owned, and uh, when I originally went uh, vegetarian uh, 23 years ago. Uh, it certainly helped me uh, make the transition I have to say it also made it made vegetarianism seem uh, like something that was kind of warm and cozy and friendly and fun rather than uh, something that uh, had this that was about not having things or or about you know not being a party to cruelty and evil you know it was more uh, it had more of a a, a warm, cozy feel to it was that something that you were that you uh, oh, yes. did consciously.
2: Yeah, definitely. And I think that you know it really was from not you know not quite as early generation of cookbooks as let's say the Moose would, but it, it definitely was from the generation of books that focused on how good the food can be without meat. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, back then it was really hard to get a lot of information. I mean, the age of the internet has really changed things so much. Um, More cookbooks even go into why it's good to be a vegetarian and what happens to the land and to the animals. I actually didn't go into that too much here in Vegan Express, but in my previous book, uh, The Vegetarian Family Cookbook, and I always try to do it not in a preachy sort of way, but just giving the people, giving readers the information that they might be looking for, not beating them over the head with it. Mm -hmm. But with the earlier generation of cookbooks, I think we just were really discovering the joy of making these um, wonderful dishes that didn't contain uh, meat and, uh, you know, you know, we did use cheese and butter and eggs, but I think not in profusion. It was more about the grains and the beans and the vegetables, and we were even in that era where not everything was made out of soy. All right.
1: And uh, let me just, uh, before we move on to Vegan Express, when you wrote Vegetariana, you said you weren't uh, an accomplished Cook at the time, and yet that book is just chock full of uh, recipes that I've, I've taste tested. And how did you, how did you like get up to speed all of a sudden on, uh, being, somebody who was an authority on vegetarian cooking?
2: Well, you know, I, as when I approached the book, I really approached it more as an artist rather than as an authority on cooking, and I felt actually rather insecure about my cooking skills because up until then, I really basically cooked for my family. Um, the way that happened was that I became a vegetarian in high school. My parents were really mad at me and said if I wanted to be a vegetarian, then I'd have to cook for myself, and I discovered really quickly how, I, how much I loved cooking, and then everybody wanted what I was having. <laughs> but, and then, really unbelievably, my entire family—I was by far the youngest. I, you know, I was a real baby of the family. Everybody became vegetarians, even my parents, gradually.
1: Wow. So I guess that you would recommend that uh, as, you know, when when the uh, the prototypical uh, teenage teenager says, "I want to be a vegetarian," the answer is. Well, you're going to learn to cook then, because it seems like it worked out pretty well.
2: I think that if teenagers want to become vegetarians or vegans, they should uh, offer to cook for their family. And I can almost guarantee that if they follow some decent recipes, people will want what they're having because it always looks and tastes so appealing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's a really good strategy. I didn't do it on purpose, but, it, you know, it definitely sort of backfired on my family. But in the end, everybody benefited. And then when um, when I met my husband, it was really just out of college, he so very badly wanted to become a vegetarian. But he was such a non-cook. He was so thrilled. And he was the one who actually made me to write down some of the recipes that I improvised so that I could make them again. And that's really how the recipe collection for Vegetariana
1: grew. Okay, and now uh, you've just released uh, your latest cookbook uh, last month. It's called Vegan Express, as you mentioned. And, uh, of course, when you did Vegetariana, as you said, there was plenty of eggs and butter in it. But you are now vegan, is that correct? That's correct. I've been a
2: vegan for almost six years, and it's a story that kind of echoes my own upbringing. We have two sons, and they've been lifelong vegetarians. And when my younger son was 10, he declared himself the first vegan in the family.
1: Oh, and so you said he had to cook for himself?
2: i didn't, <laughs> but you know he, he at the time he not so much anymore, but he was very interested in cooking and baking and uh I'd been thinking privately about going vegan, and I was just surprised that he beat me to the punch so i was I was ready, mm-hmm. but I was pretty proud of him, and he became really very strict all at once I mean really, he went through the whole house and threw out all the leather shoes and the whole bit
1: wow. And so, was not there, even a
2: drop of honey was left in the house. <laughs>
1: <laughs> was was there any uh, because you you wrote other than vegetarian? You went on to write uh, subsequent uh, vegetarian-oriented uh, cookbooks, and uh, so I'm wondering what was the progression, or what was there a particular uh, thing or event that made you say, you know, I'm going to push this further now.
2: I was really uncomfortable with the whole notion of dairy and the the ethical aspect of it because i thought okay you know people say well the cow doesn't have to die when they give milk but then when you really look at the mass production it's you know i don't have to convince you or or your listeners that there's a lot of ugliness behind it and you know the fact that the cow has to be impregnated every year Mm -hmm. you know so what we did actually was interesting as a family we were all starting to become uncomfortable with it we visit a small beyond organic dairy farm in our region thinking well maybe if we buy our milk locally we'll feel better about it well the field trip made us feel worse, and I think that's what was, that was the tipping point, because even though the cows, yeah, they seemed happy, the farmer was, you know, so thrilled to give us this tour, you know, but then I saw the, the calves in crates, and I just knew, and I said, I, you know, I can't continue this. It's a pretense, and it's a rationalization.
1: Mm-hmm. So they actually they actually had the calves literally in the crates, even in their, their showcase you know, humane, happy yes. dairy garden.
2: Well, what happens with those? And he said, no, they're either going to become, uh, you know, beef, cattle, or veal. And I thought, oh, no, I you know, I just don't want any part of that. And I think a lot of times people, they just try to push it out of their minds. or They don't know, and then if they have an inkling, they try to push it to the side. And when you see it concretely in front of you, then you can't anymore. Well, I couldn't, right. at least. And I guess my kids couldn't either because that made an impression on them as well okay I didn't have to say anything to them they came to their own conclusion
1: and so let me uh, be sure that I have the, is this your your first strictly vegan cookbook well, vegan express
2: uh, it's my first all original vegan cookbook yes um, previously um, in 2006 I veganized my perennial uh, vegetarian soups for all seasons I just took all all the dairy products out of it. I retested the recipes, and I added a few new ones. Um, That book is actually going to be coming out in a fourth edition next year with some photography. Okay. The Vegetarian Family Cookbook was a really good transitional book. That was when we were kind of uh, thinking about going vegan, uh, you know, in our own separate quarters. And I, I have a lot of recipes that say, dairy-slash-vegan options. So almost the whole book is either vegan or vegan-friendly. So that really re- reflects our experience as a family at the time.
1: Mm-hmm. In Vegan Express, you're kind of carrying forward uh, the idea of introducing people to uh, how they can uh, get more out of uh what seems to be an even more limited palette of foods. Uh, but if I know you, you're you're coming up with some uh, some amazing stuff. With there, is there any particular recipe that you're especially fond of? That's always a
2: really tough question. But you know, I think that my favorite recipes ended up in the photo spread in the middle. And that was an interesting story, too, because I really pushed my publisher to let me work with Susan Voizen of uh, Fat-Free Vegan. she's a really beautiful blog and website, and I really loved her photography, and I really thought that it would be great to work with her, and it really was. She did a, a really, really nice job. And I, I do think that the photos that we chose, the recipes we chose to photograph reflect some of my favorites. Um, the first one is, a, it's called Nearly Instant Thai Coconut Corn Soup, and I still make it all the time. It's one of those things, you get home, you're really cold and you're tired, and you have this spicy soup in 15 minutes.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay? That sounds good already.
2: (laughs) And um, another one I really like that's in the photo spread, it's called seitan and polenta skillet with fresh greens, and it's kind of a, you know, maybe you could call it kind of a meat and potatoes kind of dish. It's very hearty, and again, I think it's a 20-, 25-minute meal, but there's so many great components, and and you need so little to really make a a full meal out of that. You can add a salad or some baked potatoes things like that, mm-hmm. and then one of, one of the favorites is actually called Our Favorite Chocolate Cake, and it's just a really super easy, really moist vegan chocolate cake with a uh, frosting that has a tiny hint of nut butter in it.
1: Well, I notice, uh, I mean, you emphasize how easy and how quick things are, and obviously the name of this book is Vegan Express, and uh, you also did the five-ingredient uh, vegetarian uh, cookbook. Uh, previously, and I'm wondering, do you, do you see it as part of your mission to uh, to demystify the the concept that uh, that cooking in general, or vegetarian and vegan cooking in specific, is something that uh, re- requires a lot of work and attention? Um, you know that that it's something that most people don't do because it's just a it's a lot of hassle. Oh, definitely, and
2: you know I don't know why it's gained a reputation of being more difficult and such a hassle, but it has for whatever reason. And I really think it's uh, still everybody's mission who writes about vegan food and uh, vegetarian or vegan food to continue to debunk that myth. And then every time you see a review of a vegan book that's favorable, it always starts something about this book uh, debunks the myth that this kind of food is bland and uninteresting. And I'm, right. who, who perpetrates that mess? Nobody yeah. else believes it. I think only the media, they like to portray vegetarian and vegan food. Maybe they're still thinking of the kind of food that we ate in the 60s, you know, sprouts and brown, whatever, that was unrecognizable. But, I mean, it's really just come such a long way. Um, I definitely, I don't have a lot of time to cook. I, I'm really, by profession, I'm not a cook. I'm, sometimes I get into the kitchen like everybody else does at 6 o'clock wondering what to make. And so I believe in a really well, uh, a really very well-stocked pantry and a lot of very simple recipes. And a lot of my readers write to me that they really like that there are what they call normal ingredients that they can get at the grocery store. Um, I think it's really good that there are books that are more complex and more sophisticated, but I feel like these are speaking to a certain kind of audience, Uh, families, college students, people who may not be uh, that confident as chefs. Mm -hmm. Um, Everybody's really busy, and I think having those kind of simple recipes is useful. On the other hand, I know that people just are going crazy over veganomicon, which is a little more, a bit more sophisticated and complex. But there's obviously a need, a, a great need, and a love for that too.
1: Right, and I think they, you know, all of the vegan uh, cookbooks just expand our options and kind of complement each other in uh, in showing that there there's a range, uh, a whole spectrum of uh, of vegetarian and vegan cooking uh, that, that people can avail themselves of. And as my last question, I wanted to ask, um, there's also more and more available vegan um, processed food. I mean, meat analogs, uh, dairy analogs, and, and things that are coming out there. I'm wondering, do you see that as a, a, as a good thing in that it's, it's expanding, you know, the number of people who might try eating this way or as something that is more of a crutch that's keeping people from really getting in touch with, uh, with good food?
2: Oh, correct. I think that, you know, in moderation, I think everything is okay. And I think that those kind of products uh, really do help a lot of people make the transition. And I still think that no matter how highly processed they are, how salty they are, if they have textured soy protein, you know, in my mind, it's still better than meat.
1: Well, that's true.
2: Uh, So um, I, I use these products to a very limited extent in my book. I try not to use them in recipes, because, you know, you don't really need a recipe to make a, a veggie burger or, you know, heat up a veggie burger or a soy hot dog. Right. But I do think that they help people make the transition.
1: Great. Well, uh, we're out of time Nava Atlas, uh, but uh, let us know where, uh, let our listeners know where they can go to uh, find more information about Vegan Express and your other books.
2: Oh, well, I would like to invite everybody to visit my website, which is VegKitchen.com. It has dozens and dozens of Vegan recipes. Okay. Uh, uh, Vegan Express is available everywhere. Really, bookstores, Amazon, and uh, it's really not hard to find.
1: Right, and if you can't find it, ask for it by name, Vegan Express, from Broadway Books uh, by Nava Atlas. All right, Uh, Nava, thank you very much for joining us on Vegcast. Oh, thank
2: you, Vance. Thank you for inviting me. Mm
0: Animals are my friends And I treat them right I spend their lives Eating veggies and rice That's why I don't eat meat I don't eat flesh I'm trying to Do my very best.
1: That is I Don't Eat Meat by Dada Veda Prajnananda, or just Dada Veda for short. He sent in the song and also included this note. I wrote this song a few years ago when I was in Romania. The Romanian government challenged a children's home, which was serving vegetarian food to the children on the grounds that vegetarianism Was not part of Romanian culture. I thought that we needed to fight for this and compose this song, which I consider a vegetarian fight song. And it certainly is a song that does its very best, and I think that's all that we can ask of ourselves is to try to do our very best, uh, whether vegetarian or vegan. And now it is time to turn to... Science. Our science fact for VegCast42 is vegan diet helps arthritis and heart. Uh, This is from UPI, United Press International, reporting on a study from Sweden. Researchers in Sweden suggest a gluten-free vegan diet provides help for rheumatoid arthritis patients' hearts as well as joints. Uh, The study, it goes on to say, the study published in Arthritis Research and Therapy found the diet raised the levels of natural antibodies that fight the damaging compounds phosphorylcholine that cause the chronic inflammatory symptoms of rheumatoid arthritis. The diet also protected against heart attacks and stroke by lowering cholesterol levels and lowering body weight, the study said. In contrast, none of the indicators differed significantly for the control group on the conventional so-called healthy diet. All right, I added that so-called, although uh, we know that uh, these studies have a habit of trying to suss out what a healthy diet is based on uh, standards of uh, traditional uh, Western diets and taking a little bit out here and a little bit out there. And so uh, sometimes their healthy diet isn't all that healthy, which is not surprising that they, they didn't get a lot of results for that. Um, but I would also point out in this case they, they chose a gluten-free diet. Would, gluten may have uh, some impact on this, but it would have been interesting to see the gluten-free vegan diet and the uh, vegan diet, including gluten, to see how that would have done, uh, how they would have stacked up against each other. But that's fine. Uh, It's just a reminder that uh, instead of cholesterol-lowering drugs or drugs for arthritis pain, it may be possible to manage these symptoms of aging uh, with a healthy diet, with an actual healthy diet, a healthy vegan diet. And also, it's a good reminder that veganism... Uh, And healthy eating in general has impacts that are not uh, strictly limited to one or the other uh, kind of symptom, but actually impact your overall health, and it's good to see uh, something that even is reporting on two things at once instead of the usual science story that tries to pin things down and isolate things and act like everything is uh, some kind of isolated incident, whereas it's we all know that it's a holistic approach and everything affects everything else. So that's just a little moral of the story that you get right here on the Science Fact. All right, that's about it for the 42nd edition of VegCast. But before we go, I want to mention something that I didn't quite get around to at the end of 2007 when this came out. And it's the New Horizons Cookbook. Horizon's uh, new vegan cuisine cookbook, and if you are a regular VegCast listener and or subscriber, you know that Horizon's Restaurant is a favorite of this podcast as well as a favorite of just about all Philadelphia vegetarians and vegans uh, when we can afford to make the trek. Uh, over there and really luxuriate in just uh, amazing, supreme, fine uh, vegan cooking. But now you can do some of that at home uh, with this cookbook. And uh, you might want to check it out on their website. If you're not in the Philadelphia area, it may be harder to get it, but you must track it down because it's worth it. And uh, we've been trying out some of the recipes, and I have to say that uh, over Christmas vacation when I was down in Florida, we uh, made the edamame mashed potatoes and the vinegar and agave glazed seitan, I think it's called, uh, just really a, a knockout of a dish, and uh, made several of the people there who weren't vegetarian uh, wonder why they had been missing this all their lives. Uh, and it does this recipe does take a lot of balsamic vinegar, uh, especially if you're making it for more than two or three people, which we were. And we just made it again for Easter, and I got some uh, cheaper balsamic vinegar than I had gotten in Florida got a big old jug of balsamic vinegar and it wasn't quite as good because the vinegar just was not up to par and Rich even says in the beginning of the book he says that uh, you got to buy quality ingredients and especially uh he goes through some of the particular ingredients that you should be sure to buy top quality and balsamic vinegar is one of them so there's a little pro tip if you will and another uh, personal tip in the desserts, there's many fine desserts in this cookbook, and uh, one of them is uh, the chocolate mousse, uh, coconut mousse in uh, toasted coconut. Uh, just absolutely delicious, but I have to point out that we are still eating this uh, five days after we've made it, all four of us, uh, because it does, uh, this recipe just makes so much of it, and uh, we've been getting it out and remaking from the toasted coconut and the mousse, putting them together into the little balls, rolling them into the toasted coconut, is delicious, but boy, does it make a lot. So that's something where if you have a huge number of people, you can just use the one recipe and make that. So just a couple of tips for those of you who may already own the Horizons Cookbook or be about to get it, and that should include everybody uh, who is within the sound of my voice, so to speak. But uh, that's going to be it for now. And now it's about time to get out of here. I should probably mention in full disclosure that I did write the foreword to this Horizons cookbook, but I do not get a kickback from every sale of it. Thanks to Nava Atlas for being our featured guest on this VegCast. Thanks to Dadaveda Prajnananda for I Don't Eat Meat. Thanks to Cammie for sending those vegan options in and around Seattle. And of course, thanks to Temptation Vegan Ice Cream for sponsoring VegCast. It's the world's greatest non-dairy ice cream. You can check them out at GoTemptation.com and VegCast 43 will be coming your way in a couple of weeks. So until that point, get out there and live like you mean it. VegCast!